Welcome to the Nehemiah Entrepreneurship Community Podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Saguet. I'm here with a giant of the Pacific Northwest because he leads one of the largest churches in our region, Pastor Mark Estes. Pastor, welcome to our podcast. Hey, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this amazing opportunity. You know, Pastor Mark, uh, when I first moved to the Pacific Northwest, I kept hearing about this church that has just, that has made a major splash in the region, City Bible. And uh, as I heard the description of your church, it, it really reminded me of the church where I came up. You know, I, I came up at a, from the Heart Church Ministries out in Temple Hills, Maryland, 25,000 member, private jet, the whole, the whole shebang. And we were a very close-knit community church. That's how I got discipled. And I kept saying, I've got to go to City Bible. By the time I got to City Bible, you were Manor House. <laughs> so let's talk about, some of you guys know this church as City Bible, but many of you know it as Manor House. Here's the pastor here, the man who makes it all happen. So, uh, Pastor, first of all, um, I think it's important for our guests to understand a bit about this church and its history. Those who know as City Bible versus those who know at Manor House, Connect the two for us, please. Tell us about the church, the history, and, and why Manor House versus City Bible. Yeah, sure. You know, I'm sure there might be some listeners on there that even remember us even before City Bible Church's Bible Temple, you know, it's so, and before that, Deliverance Tabernacle, you know. So wow. We go, we, go, we go back 70 years, you know, and I've had the wonderful privilege of following two great giants in the faith, Brother Dick Iverson and Pastor Frank Damasio. And, you know, one of the things we've always tried to do is to not just have a vision to reach people, but actually reach people. And uh, that oftentimes requires us to, to just reassess and to look at everything that we're doing and ask ourselves the question, are we being effective? And are we actually understanding times and seasons in which we live? And one of the challenges that we begin to face, especially in the Northwest with being such a a non-church pagan culture is um, is with our name. And you know, you go back and you do some assessment of the culture we're trying to reach. Two of the most um, detested words, ironically, in the Northwest is the word Bible and the word church. And we had two of them in our name, City Bible Church. And so uh, we are smart enough to know that, hey, listen, if we really wanted to stay on the cutting edge of impacting um, our society today and our culture that we should really be looking at, um, trying to change really that first impression with people um, that we're attempting to reach. And so the challenge was we're trying to figure out how do we stay true to our history and heritage, but then how do we stay relevant to the times in which we live? And so we, we you know, we landed on that idea of Manor House which really stay true to uh, Bible Temple, City Bible Church. They, If you were to line those up vertically, they still had a church component, a Bible component, a God provision component. You know, we would we would all understand what manna represents, you know, supernatural provision from God. John 6 talks about it representing Jesus, the everlasting manna. We not only wanted to be a place of provision and God's supernatural provision, but we wanted to be a dispenser of God's provision to the society we're trying to reach. The house piece is just another way of saying church without it being, you know, offensive to a, to a paganized culture. And 
So we came up not only just with those two words, but decided to pull them together as one word, trademark that word, you know, just like Facebook. We don't look at Facebook as two different words, face and book. It's one word that was able to, to actually identify itself uh, based upon its use and its brand. And so Mana House is a one word for us, for us to be able to, to create a new opportunity uh, to let people know that there's a quote unquote faith community out there, a group of people that are doing relationship, trying to make life a better place. And so it's just, you know, at the, at the end of the day, Patrice, it's really helped us to be able to frame in conversations that engage people to actually ask the question, oh, that's intriguing, what is it versus church, no thank you, not interested. And so that's kind of where we landed, you know, on the name itself. Man, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, I grew up, I, I got discipled under a manor house city Bible type of tradition, a very uh, word centric, very traditional. It's about the word of God coming to life. One of the struggles, though, uh, with that kind of theology is often change. So how so how did you guys do it? I mean, because oftentimes those of us who who came up in that setting in that kind of tradition or churches who are so very rooted uh, struggle with adapting to to culture and being relevant as things change. They're, it's almost like they're, this, they're good for this particular era. And then somehow the era go, you know, it goes past them. How did you guys do it? Is it your leadership? Is that what's unique here? Something about the You've gone through several name changes or something. So what is it? Is it, the, is it a past the mark thing or is it something in the sauce over there? Oh man, I, I wish I could take credit for it. You know, I told the guys when I jumped in, I'm smart enough to know I'm not smart enough. And so people are looking to me, it's the wrong place to be looking. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a promise. You know, we, we, have, we have built our whole ministry around this idea. And if I could build different steps, is that you, you have to start with a strong theology, right? Your theology determines your philosophy. Your philosophy is kind of why you do what you do, which determines your values, your who you are. And it's through your theology and your philosophy and your values, then which then dictates strategy and methods. And, and, and we recognize that you have, to, you have to have a strong foundation and root everything that you do in theology, but the reality is, is that, is that it has to be contextualized. You know, I always say this text plus context equals impact. Well, so you can have the greatest truth or you can have people that are the greatest scholars, but if they're incapable of contextualizing the text, what you have is fantasy. And, and so I learned that from some of the greatest leaders around me. And so we've, we've worked very hard to, to con continually ask ourselves the question, which is a context question. You know, are, is what we, we are doing having impact? Is there fruit and measuring leading indicators, not lagging indicators, and making sure that we're brutally honest with ourselves? And so there's part of an ongoing assessment that takes place. But probably the secret sauce also comes into another theology that we have, and that's, you know, Ephesians 4, equipping the saints for the work of ministry and really trying to, to make sure that we are raising up next generation leaders. 
And so, you know, I'm 60 years old, but some of my uh, friends that are closest to me, ministry partners, they're in their 20s. And so I'm not only mentoring them, but they're mentoring me. It's a 360 degree mentorship because I need to be able to, to understand and discern the times in which we live. And a lot of that comes from texts that I get from the word of God, but I got to have a cultural piece. And oftentimes that comes through younger leaders. And so we've worked really, really hard. And I think that goes whether that's a church, whether that's a nonprofit, or even if that's a marketplace, uh, you know, a business, you've, you've got to be able to make sure that you've got leaders at the tip of the spear that are understanding the markets that you're trying to reach, the people you're trying to reach, whatever it might be. And so that's, that's probably the two things that we've really focused on a lot to be able to keep things relevant and current. So I love it for our entrepreneur audience, which is most of our audience. You guys are learning today. I mean, this is a CEO of a corporation called Church. And this guy is dropping some truth. So hopefully you're gleaning here because he's really talking about how to be market relevant, how to change with the reality market. He talked about branding and, and trademarking and making yeah. sure that, and doing it while the same down staying true to your core value and mission. Well, Pastor, today we discovered that it was your 44th wedding anniversary. First of 41st. all- 41st. 41st, congratulations. That's still a lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first to you and to the beautiful Susan. You know, um, if you go to their website at um, manhouse.com, uh, uh, that church, I'm sorry, manhouse.church, uh, I mean, it's like his youngest daughter he's married to. This this woman looks gorgeous. <laughs> so she does not even look 44. So, I mean, 41. So you know, one of the things that unfortunately is the biggest threat to marriages is ministry, ministry leadership. And just as in business, um, yeah. my wife and I, we do a lot of couples in business ministry, a lot of, you know, ministry leaders and couple and business leaders. How have you done it, my friend? I mean, how, 44 years, 41 years, you still sound like you're in love. I sense of freshness. Of course, when I meet your wife, I'll test that on her side. You know? <laughs> I'll <laughs> get her on right now. <laughs> let's, let's assume that she validates this. What's been the key for you? Well, and again, I you know I come out of the business world. I I was I was uh, first of all in business, so I'm a marketplace leader that got tricked by God to be a pastor. Um, I did it out of obedience, not out of my my distaste for for uh, you know marketplace in the career world. I still do business consulting and stuff too. So I kind of carry a Bible in a briefcase. Um, and so with that, I think that you know what I'm about to share, I think applies both to marketplace leaders as well as church pastors and really for anybody out there. And you know, if we do not put our family first, if we don't put our wife first, our marriage first, everything else will just seem to ravel away. You can be the greatest marketplace leader. You can be the greatest entrepreneur. You can be the greatest pastor. But if your wife's falling apart or your marriage is falling apart, um, it, it has great, it wreaks great havoc, not only on your personal life, on your emotional health, on your ability to lead, but again, on your reputation. And, um, you know, for me, I've, I've tried to, and I learned the hard way in my early thirties, I almost lost my marriage because I was working 70, 80 hours a, a, a week, trying to build a business, went into ministry. I was going to save the world traveling 200 days, you know, a year all over the world. And I, just, I came to that place where I realized that my priorities were wrong. 
And it's like anything else, Patrice, that we do, you know, is that you give your time to what's most important. And so you can measure a business owner's priorities by, by his, by his day timer, not by what he says, but where he spends his time. Wow. It's, it's the same thing with, with church. And again, so I've got to make time. I always say people don't take my time. I give my time. Mm. That has to also apply to my relationships. And so if you were to look at my calendar for the last 30 years, I have, I have daily time with my wife. Um, we have times of reflection and conversation. I still do a date once a week. I take her on a date once a week. Because if I don't work at it, it's like a muscle. You don't use it. You lose it. Mm. It's the and, and I'll show you the rest of my body to prove that. <laughs> but it's the same way with our relationships, right? If, if we don't put time and energy into loving our spouses and caring for them, what's going to happen? Something else is going to happen. She'll find someone else to love her for you. And we don't want that happening. Wow. And so I, I've, I've chosen to just put my marriage first above all else. What does it profit a man if he builds a great business but loses his family? What does it gain a whole man, you know, man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Mm. It doesn't gain us anything. This is good. Entrepreneurs, I hope you are gleaning from this because, I mean, these are these are truths. So one of the things we talk to entrepreneurs about this whole idea of having shared experiences and oftentimes in business as in ministry, as it grows, you know, we have children, you start the children kind of start bringing you guys apart. And then the ministry and business start, you start having these customized experiences where over time you, you, so how did you guys protect the shared experiences so that as your family and your ministry and your business went from stage to stage, that you didn't go this way, but you were able to, you know, kind of until now where I'm assuming it's a little easier now, given that the children are all grown and the, the church is a bit stable and you're not grinding anymore like you used to. Yeah, well, the way that you the way that you uh, do that is you don't allow it to happen. You have to create the space. I love it. You know, so so like I said, you know, I, I have in my calendar right now that Friday night is a date night. Wow. Saturday is a sabbatical. Um, once a year, we do a one-week vacation where no one goes, no kids. We do family vacation in August. Spring break, I'm about ready to take my wife to Hawaii. It's just me and her. Every quarter of the year, I do what's called a precation, and where my wife and I get away, and we will spend a couple days I work during the day, we get up, we pray together. I work during the day, we reflect on things at the night, but we're constantly recalibrating. We're having to ask ourselves the questions to spend time together. And so, so there has to be some formation that has to take place that's intentional and strategic. And we can't allow the busyness to overtake us, right? If, so, if, you, don't, if you don't plan your time, someone will take your time. And I say that all the time. Secondarily to that, too, we have to come to this place where we recognize that our spouses really want to be engaged a lot more than we think. Mm. And so, you know, again, we get home and I'm just going to speak for me. I'm tired at the end of the day. And my wife goes, how's your day? That is an opportunity to to integrate. Right. I can say, wow, it was a long day and turn on a TV or cook a meal or start reading a book. Or I can realize what she's really asking me 
is I want to be involved in your world and your life. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what you're what you're facing. What are your struggles? What are your pains? How can I be praying for you? That's really what she's asking. And so, so I've tried to, even though she isn't a person that wants to be at the front of ministry and on the platform, but she does want to be at the front of my life and engaged in my life. And so I have to create those spaces and to be able to bring her into conversations on a regular basis in order for that to, to be engaged. And that takes time and that takes intentionality. Pastor Mark, do you think your wife would mind us having both of you guys back here so we can talk to both of you guys and give so that some of these tips women can hear from her as well? Would you mind doing that? Can we do it? I, I think I think I would love it. And I think she would at the end of the day really love it. But she's not a front person, but she would probably help, you know, after 41 years of ministry, wow. a very energetic, bald headed guy. Um, this would, is incredible. <laughs> what I love is that you you. I don't know if this profile, but you come across as a D as I've ever met one. And and oftentimes, you know, there's wives get worn out over time. But but what I'm hearing is just good insight to hear because a lot of our couples, uh, this is I'm gonna make this mandatory listening to our couples in business. I mean, this is just good stuff. Well, Pastor, so we're gonna so Victor, we're gonna schedule Pastor Mark again with his wife. We're gonna talk about one. I want to go deep in this conversation and give us insights uh, for our couples. So, Pastor, so um, around the world, there's been a pandemic, uh, economic ch challenge, and crisis in the U.S. Social unrest. Also, of course, we've had um, we've had a political interesting political season. It's affected many churches around the nation. Some have closed. Many have reduced, uh, suffered financially. Tell us, how has it been for you as a pastor? Speak to that a little bit. How have you guys navigated it? What can you say to that? Well, again, I, I'm going to speak knowing my audience right here. Again, being a business guy, I, I understand that the business world was equally impacted. You know, I've got hundreds of, we call them vision partners in our church, which would be our marketplace ministry hundreds of vision partners where their businesses were shut down, restaurants were shut down. We have career workers that were teachers that were shut down. And so th this bleeds over, you know, beyond just the church world. I think it's a, it, it was a global pandemic and right, rightfully defined as, meaning it, it, it had no friends and it had no boundaries. And uh, for, for me, so, so let me just speak into that because I faced the same thing that every other person faced. And that was unprecedented, unchartered challenge. There was no playbook for me as a pastor or for a business person. The entire globe shut down. And so it's in times like these, our saving grace is that there is one playbook that exists that we can go to. And it's the word of God. And so I knew that despite there being no answers by our government, by CDC, by anything out there, I knew there was one place to find some answers. That became my anchor. And it really helped me with some of my beliefs to become my convictions. <laughs> but here's, here's a couple of thoughts as you know, the pandemic began to hit us. I had to immediately stop the noise from what's around me. And this would even speak today. We've got to stop listening to all of the noise. 
the average believer today is spending nine hours online and listening to the news and seven minutes a week in the word. And they wonder why they're so confused. You know, as Paul said, Colossians 3, 1, set your mind on things above, not below. And he's trying to help us understand that there is a, a portal or there's a source where we can begin to, to set our minds on to receive the revelation we need for these unprecedented times. And so there were a couple, if, if I just call them kind of cornerstones or anchor points for me, is number one, I'm going to apply this to the church, but it applied to marketplace. Jesus said that he's building his church. I'm not building it. That takes up pressure. It's just like, this ain't my church. This is his church. <laughs> so he's going to build the church. And what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. In fact, we find that in trying times that things actually turn out a little bit better than we planned. So I had to, first of all, recognize this is his church. Mm -hmm. Same thing if I speak to you, marketplace leaders. You may have thought you came up with the idea, but you have a God-induced idea that birthed that business for his purposes. Mm -hmm. You're, you're mm -hmm. in that place because God put the idea in your mind and he placed you there so that you could become um, a kingdom influencer for his glory. So whether it's you're a pastor or, or a marketplace leader, business owner, whatever it is, he came up with it, not us, right? Second of all, I've got to, I've got to land on this idea that he's all powerful. He's all knowing. It's like God's not busy trying to figure out what's going on in Siberia. He cares about your world. He knows what's he knows what's going on with your business. He knows what's going on. And, and he either has initiated the challenge or he allowed the challenge. And in either case, his perfect will or his redemptive will, he's working all things together for our good. And, and we've got to just we've got to land there and just go, listen, he's in charge. He's doing something. And if we look back 20 years from now, we're going to basically come to this place and realize God made us do what we didn't want to do. So we would become who we are supposed to become. He works all things those ways. And so our job is to discern what he's doing, not what the world's doing. Like the men of Issachar, they, they discern the times and seasons in which they live. And it says, and they knew what to do. Mm. For me, God's changing the scoreboard. Excuse me. He it's the same scoreboard. He's changing our scoreboard My Lord. to align with his scoreboard. And we've got off track, whether it be in the business world in regards to our pursuit for success and money for the sake of ourselves versus building his kingdom. Same thing in the church. We're trying to build crowds in this attractional model, a gospel of come versus a gospel of go. And, and he's helping us to see that there's a scoreboard that he has for our businesses and he has for our churches and they align to his purposes, not our purposes, right? As we always say, you know, we're not asking God to come and anoint what we're doing. We should ask, we should be asking ourselves what he's doing and that we come along and do what he's anointing, if that makes sense. And so I think, I think that we're in a beautiful place where God's trying to get our attention say, by the way, um, I'm in charge. Um, I always have been. Um, I'm working all things together for my good, but I'm trying to realign people in the season to recognize that it's it's me that's in control and not you. Ooh, 
I love it. I mean, I'm we're talking with Pastor Mark Estes, the pastor, senior pastor of Manor House, located here in Vancouver and Portland, several locations. We're talking about the fact they'll be hosting a biblical entrepreneurship course in the next coming week. Actually, next week, as a matter of fact, we're going to tell you more about it. Pastor, um, so since since you're here in the studio, I might as well ask, um, there are questions in the air about, should I take the vaccine? Should I not? What's the prophetic view of this pandemic? Is it a world made? Is it speak to us? Could you give us a perspective here about vaccine and pandemic from a spiritual perspective? What say you, Pastor? Oh my goodness, you're you're, you're putting me in the hot seat. The hot hot seat, you know. Um, you know, I, I first and foremost, and again, I'm going to speak from this personally, not positionally. Uh, what we see before us, let's just acknowledge the fact that there is a genuine sickness that has moved to the level of a pandemic. I understand how it has been greatly politicized, which has caused a skewed perspective and has polarized the view of the true issue at hand. So let's just be honest that people are actually getting sick. I got sick and had COVID. I have three of my dear friends that were pastors. They all died. One died on Friday. One died on Saturday. One died on Sunday, all with not having underlying conditions. And so the sickness is real. And I, I think that as we take a look at this pandemic and what's facing us, we have to once again look at our response to it from a biblical perspective. And as I talked about, we have to start not with a strategy, we have to start with a theology. And so, so there's a theology out there that says how we should respond to things that are happening in our society. Unfortunately, what's happened with the polarization in our nation, and I would say globally, is, is that we've, we've taken a political view to an issue that's much bigger than a political situation. And so I've tried to, listen, our church is filled with people that come from all walks of life. We have Republicans, Democrats, and independents in our church. We have people that won't come because we're meeting and people that won't come because we're meeting and we have masks. We have people say you should wear a mask. You shouldn't be a mask. You should have a vaccine. You shouldn't have a vaccine. My premise has been that I want to create safe places and safe spaces for people to meet God. And you do so in the best of what that conviction is for you. And so when, when I look at what's going on with the pandemic, we have, for instance, our services are open. So we want to give a space for people to come and meet with God and with each other, but I don't want to do it at the expense of violating social distancing protocol. Now, again, that looks like I'm trying to find a place, a happy in-between, but we feel like what we're able to do is move forward with religious conviction, but also be sensitive to the fact that there is a real issue and so we want to do our best to provide a safe environment for people to experience God. 
So I wouldn't be one that would say, let's just take our masks off and create some kind of super spreader event. And I know that there's pastors that have done that. God bless them on that conviction. I'm not the one to that. They stand between God on those decisions. As for me as a pastor, I've chosen to say that we want to meet, but we're going to do it in a way that is safe for those that attend. I also, again, going back to contextualization, I understand in the great Northwest is different than Iowa or Nebraska or Alabama. And down there, there may be a lot more leniency when it comes to masks. And so you have to contextualize this pandemic with not only the people you're trying to pastor, but also equally as important, the people you're trying to reach. So this isn't about my personal rights. So if I go and I just go, my personal right says, I'm going to take my mask off and do whatever. I've now missed the opportunity to reach an extremely progressive culture that is very adamant about wearing masks. And I've, I've pushed them away. And the very reason that now I would try to live out my rights, what I've done actually is I've missed my ultimate purpose of reaching people. Paul said, I'd rather not eat meat. Yeah than to offend my brother. And so it's kind of where we've land. Same thing with vaccine. I'm not going to get up in the pulpit and tell people whether they should be vaccinated or not. There's varying opinions on that. And so what I tell people to do is that they need to be able to get a vaccine or not get a vaccine based upon their conviction. That's between them and the Lord. We're going to do our best to provide every opportunity for those that want but I'm also not going to condemn those that have a conviction not to. That makes sense. Wow. Well, that's good, balanced scripture. Let's talk about biblical entrepreneurship. So, Pastor, first of all, thank you so much for your partnership and the opportunity you're giving us to partner with you in ministry. We do count it a privilege. Um, you have an event coming up. I think it's next week. I believe it's March the 11th, 12th, and 13th. And you are going to have a Sunday worship with all those who are stick around first this event is an annual event that you do. tell us about this event and and kind of typically what it's all about before we get into the big entrepreneurship component of it. yeah it would it would stem out of one of our um root systems or one of our, our our distinctives that we have and that is to be an apostolic church a church that simply wants to impact the regions beyond ourselves. And so there's a lot of community churches we would be apostolic in that we want to equip leaders to equip leaders. And so there's a an, an expansion, multiplication gene in us. And this conference really is about global impact. We have a family that represents all of our church plants and missionaries and marketplace leaders. And that global family, we gather them together once a year to empower them to think about expanding and multiplying the kingdom. You know, that first principle or value that, that God asked us to do, to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That would be one of the values that we have. And so this conference, Wild Conference, is really a global conference that's missional minded. We want to bring leaders here to, to inspire, motivate, and equip them to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. This particular conference, uh, we will have three different intensives. Every year, there's a different set of intensives. Um, the three intensives will obviously be the first and foremost, biblical entrepreneurship, 
with one of the greatest legend leaders of all time speaking to us. Man, I'm so excited of this partnership, Patrice. You have no idea what this means to us in the launching of a marketplace entrepreneurship gene into our, into our global family. And so we believe we could, we could talk for a long time about that and the reason why that's a passion for me. So we'll be doing that. Our second one will be church planting. We believe that the greatest expression of evangelism in the body of Christ today is planting, multiplying churches. So we'll have a church planting intensive and then we'll have a missions intensive. And our focus is sending people into creative access nations and unreached people groups to finish the Great Commission. And so we want church leaders, pastors, marketplace leaders to come in to get into these intensives to be able to be equipped and trained to take that DNA or that gene back to their local churches and cities. We'll have general sessions. Greg Surratt will be with us, president of uh, ARC. I'm on the ARC lead team as well, which is Association of Related Churches, one of the fastest church planning movements in the nation. And uh, so we'll be having that as well as some roundtables with him that will take place during those few days that you had mentioned. So we're real excited about it. I love it. So I'm going to be there at Manor House. I want to invite you guys to join with us. So if you want to participate or attend, uh, normally it's, a, well, it's, it's an open event, but there's a, a team put the uh, the web, ad the email address there. You want to uh, contact global at manorhouse.church, global at manorhouse.church, and they'll let you know how you can register and be a part. Of course, the Sunday worship is at no cost. You can just attend that. Uh, but you may want to attend the, the, the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday activities, whether you are a pastor, an entrepreneur, a marketplace leader, or a desire to plant churches. If Particularly if you are in the Pacific Northwest, you want to be a part of this. This is one of the um, most impactful church in our region. So, so let's, about the impact, uh, give us a bit of a sense. I mean, Manor House has had a unique impact in this region and around the world. Could you give us a picture of the impact that the church has had? Yeah, you know, again, all, going all the way back to our um, original founder, Brother Dick Iverson, a true legend in my mind, um, we were always birthed with the Acts 1-8 mandate in, in the formation of our foundation that we were to you know, that we were empowered to be witnesses to Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. That not only meant just from a church perspective, but just all sectors of society. We wanted a holistic approach to transforming culture. Mm -hmm. um, since that time, going clear back to the 60s, we began with a strong missions effort. Came out of that back in 1967, um, we launched um, into 1969, those few years, our Bible College, Portland Bible College. Uh, with that, we've trained up over 5,000 leaders in 70 nations. Um, that's not just church leaders, but also marketplace leaders and doctors and business owners. We continue to do that. We're looking forward to, to um, adding this marketplace gene or track into our Bible college. So that's been a part for us in our equipping model of how do we get some of the world's best leaders into our church so that they can be equipped by the church, in the church, for the church. Um, we've also been involved since 1972 of planting churches. We wanted to continually do that. So we have literally through the churches that we have planted, that have planted churches, thousands of churches all over the world um, that have come out of the root system of this house. And we continue to be planting churches today. 
Um, and, and the other piece too, you know, we have a, we have a, a Christian school. There's about 13,000 students that have been through us. They're in about 40 nations, um, K through 12. And we try to, again, just get some biblical worldview. If it's ever needed in a time like this, man, I'll tell you, getting the word of God into young people, really trying to do that. And the last piece is our resource. Um, we've had a publishing company and, a, and a, a music division that has really impacted the world through our books and tapes and music and what have you. Really excited about this Manor House resources. We're starting to give away most everything free. I believe God's in a hurry. So we're taking all of our courses and materials and position papers and policies and tools and everything that we've created, our messages and PowerPoints and put them into a, a platform that allows anybody in the world to download them for free, steal them and, and quickly use them in their church to multiply, you know, what the, what, what the Lord's uh, put into our, our lap. So, so we're working really hard, not only just to impact the world locally, or excuse me, our region locally, but we want to impact the world globally. And that's been wow. a very intentional part of what we're doing. So what, what, what an impact, what an impact. Uh, one of our board members, uh, board chair, actually, Ron Wilkinson is a member of, 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 of Manor House. And so you're producing, and, and if he's just an example, of the kind of leaders you have, they're selfless, uh, kingdom minded. And, uh, Ron just, he's just been a gift to the email project. So, so those are the kind of people you have as entrepreneurs in that church. I mean, so, so it must be. So, how how do you how do you pastor these silence and these 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 giants? And it's that apostolic gift, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, it, you have to start. And again, I'm going to speak to the pastor right here, but also encourage the the marketplace guy. We we have to recognize that the marketplace leaders that are in our church, they're full, they're in ministry just as much as I am. Well said. And they are an extension of the local church to impact all sectors of society. And so I have to, first of all, start with the premise, just as much as I have a pastor on staff, I have a business leader on my team. We call them dream team. That is equally important to mission as a pastor on staff. And I have to start there. Um, we work very hard at building a culture. Like I said, we have a, a, a ministry called Vision Partners, and we're very intentional in raising, empowering marketplace leaders that are much smarter and sharper than myself, including Ron Wilkinson. I hope you're listening to give them the platform and the permission to not only lead business place leaders, but to speak into my life to give me marketplace influence. And so it's a partnership that takes place. I meet monthly with a core team of marketplace leaders. We talk about how to influence marketplace, the groups that we develop, the curriculum that we create, the, the events that we have. Um, because we want to keep that alive in the local church. Most of that is led by marketplace leaders. I've got to be big enough in my thinking that I recognize that God has brought giants into our congregation, and I've got to raise the lid for them to be able to lead at the capacity of their gifting. Last thing I'm going to do is ask Ron Wilkinson to hand out a bulletin, although he would hand out a bulletin because he has such a servant heart. 
but I got to recognize the gifts that's within him mm-hmm. and find places for him to impact nations as an extension of Manor House. That is incredible. So in a sense, fast as you're talking, I'm kind of thinking the ministry that Ron does as board chair of the Amara Project literally is an extension of Manor House's ministry because he's a product of that house. So my experience has been when you empower marketplace leaders that way, they become even more generous because the many times they're viewed only for their resources versus their talents. Could you speak to that? Because many pastors struggle to understand that when you have a ministry like Vision Partners, when you release them, deploy them, empower them, endorse them, validate what they're doing, that the thing that many pastors want, which is resources, happens even more so. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, we we all are creatures uh, that are very similar. You know, we want significance, belonging, acceptance. And our heart follows. And our resources follow those places in which we feel most significance and impact. Mm -hmm. And so once again, and that goes for every person, but specifically for marketplace leaders, we've got to create places at the table not just so that they can listen to my good ideas, but so that I can listen to their God ideas. And the collaboration between what I feel God is speaking to me as a pastor and their gift mix creates a beautiful blending, if you will, of a a multitude of counsel that helps to give me context and gift mix and perspective and experience to always come up with a better end result. So I'll give you an example for me as we have been able to acquire many different properties. We're put together a thing called Kingdom Partners where we're acquiring large assets from nonprofits to be able to redistribute for Kingdom Impact. I'm not gonna do that myself. I'm gonna find the best developers, property managers, business-minded people, financiers in my church and put them at the table and said, here's a dream that I have. Here are all these assets that are coming my way. Help me to create the model that will unlock tens of millions of dollars for kingdom good. And I released them to do that. We'll have a meeting tomorrow night with our four different properties we're working on. These are all guys in our church that are much sharper than me and saying, how do we develop this property? You go do the homework, you own it, you bring together the plan. And, and I get to look real smart with all of their great ideas and just go, yeah, that, that's exactly what we're gonna be doing. So you gotta create spaces at the table, give ownership, empower, release, trust, and bring them back to the table to collaborate for, for a you know a concerted effort to make the thing happen. Wow, Pastor Mar, I can see why uh... Manor House is such an apostolic church. My assumption is that the prior leaders have been no different than you are in terms of the leaders. You are a leader of leaders, uh, and that's powerful. And unfortunately, many pastors are insecure, and uh, it's great and refreshing to see that. So, Pastor, you have a particular vision. What do you hope, uh, what does success look like for you as this biblical entrepreneurship get unleashed in the heart of, on the heart of Manor House? to your school, five things. What do you hope to accomplish as part of this whole marketplace ministry strategy? 
Yeah, I think it would tie to the conference, but it, it ties broader division of what I would want to accomplish and look forward to doing that more with you, by the way. Um, first of all, I, I want to bring revelation, you know, to all marketplace leaders about their role as ambassadors, mm. that, that, that their job is a kingdom job. It, it's not secular and, and sacred. They're together. It's it's one and the same, that, that what you do is sacred and you are an extension of the kingdom of God, what you do. So important. Now, you know, second thing I want to do is I want to see their careers as ministry. You don't come to church to do ministry and then go do your job. Your job is ministry and understand that you're light and that you're salt and that you're influence and that you're able to impact the world in places that I can never impact. You're an extension of us. Go reach that medical building. Go reach that school. Go reach that government office, wherever you are at. You are in full-time ministry. I, I think there's another thing is I, is I want to transform society. I, I want to see people be liked and people get saved and people added to the, to the kingdom of God and become, you know, just a significant contribution to what God's doing here on earth. Um, you know, in the other part, you know, especially with big biblical entrepreneurship, I want people to see that the resources that they have received come from God and they are blessed to be a blessing. And, and, you know, I'm always careful because it's, it's so hard when you're around people that have a lot of resource, but I say this all the time to my guys and to my team. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to get a gift from you in as much as to recognize the gift that is in you. And, and there's something that's in people, that gift of giving and be able to make resource. But I want people to understand the unique contribution that they have to fulfilling vision. God may give me the vision, but then he brings members of the body. Romans 12, he brings us all together with different gifts. And by the way, one of those gifts that are stated is the gift of giving. And it's equal to the gift of pastoring. And those have to work together in partnership in order to see stuff happen. Um, and, and probably last, you know, Patrice would just be is to provide strategic opportunities to raise up next generation entrepreneurs. Wow. I, I got our Bible college. I said, you guys need to be in here before you even start getting bad habits in regards to your career paths. Um, high school students, um, our younger leaders that are coming in, I, I want them to to get a hold of the vision of what it means to be a biblical entrepreneur. That is a long answer, but those would be probably some of the things I'd really love to see accomplished. That's good. Pastor, last question before the very last question. One of the things that impressed me about your team, that said, Patrice, Pastor Mark said, instead of us trying to build this, let's partner. Let's talk about that. Because I came out of a mega church. Mega churches are not known to partner. They're known to be self-sufficient. Tell about that philosophy. Uh, why was that important for you to partner versus just do it yourself? And how strategic is that to growth and, and mission? Yeah, you know, it, it, it again comes from a theology that determines my philosophy, that dictates my values. And, you know, the bottom line is that it's it's biblical. We can be so locally minded that we're of no kingdom good. Hello. And so, you know, for me, again, 
we, we've been able to create some beautiful resources and I'm grateful for the opportunity of having some of the world's best leaders, writers, teachers, educators to put together the materials that we have. I recognize who we are and I recognize who we aren't. And so for me, I, I, I constantly say this, we can get a whole lot more done if it doesn't matter who gets the credit. And so I, I look at what you've done, Patrice, and how you through Nehemiah Project have have literally shaped nations. I look at your material, your content, your anointing and say, why would I try to recreate something that is already proven successful? Now, maybe we could, but it might take years to do and God's in a hurry. And so how can we, and I do this at the city level, I do it at the national level. How do we partner together with our, our expertise, our resources, our materials, our relationships, our platforms. How do we come together to collaborate in hopes that the true end goal is in mind, that we build his kingdom, not my kingdom? Wow. And so, and so I've, I've led from that position of just going, I want to move as fast as we can in our Bible college. How do I get what God's doing with Patrice and Nehemiah? And how do I get it as quick as I can into my high school and into my college and into my network of churches? How do I quickly reproduce this? Because if I can get this marketplace gene in every church and every city, we can begin to see the gospel preached and people reached, perhaps at an accelerated pace like never before. Wow. Now that's a kingdom leader. Pastor, as we close here, you, you encouraged them before, but I want to specifically speak to the entrepreneurs around the world and around the nation. Um, as they hear you, I know they're saying that's leadership. So what has been key principles you can leave with them now as they look to navigate their businesses in the post-pandemic or in the pandemic era and post-pandemic? What advice would you give them yeah, first of all, you know, God allowed this to happen for a reason, right? And so instead of just going back to all of the natural strategies and techniques and all that kind of stuff, we have to start with this idea. And again, I'm speaking specifically to you entrepreneurs. Fully embrace the fact that Jesus is your sole source of survival, He's going to give you the strength, the power, the ideas, the innovation, prophetic revelation. You're, you're entering uncharted territory that even the smartest leaders aren't going to be able to figure it out. Let's get wisdom from heaven. So let's just recognize that we've got to come. Okay, I'm going to fully push everything at his feet. Jesus, this is your business. And I just sit here with open hands, open arms, the same Jesus, you speak to me. I recognize you as the sole source of survival. And, and then just come to this place of realizing that, that it's in, I'll say it this way, greatest innovation comes through times of greatest tribulation. Wow. And so, it, it, and you go back in history, some of the greatest inventions and some of the greatest businesses were launched in times of crisis. So how do we, instead of retracting or pulling back and being spending all of our time focused on fear and concerns and doubts, ask the question, God, the game's changed. So how do I see, right? You look at Elisha, right? Where 
that, that his servant went out and says, what do you see? He says, oh my gosh, I see we're surrounded by a bunch of people. And he's, he has this retreatist, defeatist mentality. He goes, no, go out and look again. He goes, oh, I see chariots. And I see that there are more that are for me than those that are against me. And we've got to be able to start looking and go, okay, what do I see? What are the opportunities? How can I reinvent myself? How do I get ahead of what God's saying in order to lead my business into the next era. And I would focus, man, I just wanna not only encourage you, but double dog dare you to, to, to focus on that kind of thinking. Get some time to just simply ask yourself those questions, get alone, get a whiteboard and start dreaming. Move aside the noise and see what God might download to you. Wow. Um, that is a good word. Oh, my Lord. I'm not sure about you guys, but I've been blessed. Pastor, I do want to ask you one last thing. Guys, first of all, I'm going to ask him to pray for us because that, with that kind of anointing, I do want him to pray. Before he does, though, listen, March 11, 12, and 13 at Manor House, there'll be this wild conference, more than just about biblical entrepreneurs, but also about if you're a church planter, if you're a marketplace person, if you just want to learn to grow as to what God is calling you to do, you want to be a part of that, uh, go to team, put that uh, global at manorhouse.church, global at manorhouse.church. They've uniquely have opened up to say, hey, Patrice, that folks who want to be a part, we're willing to entertain them. So go to that email address and see how you can be a part. If you want to learn more about Manor House, uh, if you are ever in the Pacific Northwest uh, or somewhere around the world where they have locations, about their Bible school or about their Christian school, go to manorhouse.church, manorhouse.church. You can learn all about uh, the, their church and and um, and the work they're doing around the world. If you are, enjoy this podcast, I would like for you to share it. Okay, share it. Share it on your social media. Share with your friends. Do not just hold on to it for yourself. Push it out so that others can be blessed as well. You may know an entrepreneur, you may know a pastor or a leader, somebody who needs to hear what Pastor Mark has to say here today. Please share it. If you want to know more about the MI Project, how we can come alongside you, provide you with training, coaching, access to capital, help you build a kingdom company, visit us at nehemiahecommunity.com, nehemiahecommunity.com. They can also know how you can become part of one of the fastest growing entrepreneurship community in the world with entrepreneurs from Asia, Africa, Latin America, North America, and Europe. With that said, Pastor Mark, could you pray for our people? I would love to do that. And again, where, wherever you're at, I just, I just want you to uh, bow your head and close your eyes. And more than just listen to words of a prayer, I, I, I want you to believe that there is, is, is literally an impartation. The Holy Spirit is with you wherever you're at right now. And I'm, I'm going to believe that there is a divine uh, impartation that's going to take place right now. And so, Lord, we thank you for this moment together. And, Lord, we recognize that you are ever-present. Lord, you're in all places at one time. God, you're with every person that hears my voice right now, whether it's live or whether it's recorded. And, Lord, you know their world. You know their life. You know their challenges. You know the impossible situations that they're facing. Lord, I come, first of all, to speak faith 
and hope and life into every person that hears my voice. Lord, we are thankful that you're in charge. God, we're thankful that we can cast all of our cares on you because you care for us. Lord, you said your yoke is easy, your burden is light. You said you would supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. You said we could accomplish all things through Christ that strengthens us. And so we stand encouraged today that despite what we feel and despite what we face, that it does not dictate our faith. God, we choose today to allow our faith to dictate our circumstance and not our circumstance to control our faith. And so I pray today that there would be an impartation of faith and hope and life. And Lord, I just pray right now, God, I just feel quickened that there are people out there that are stuck. They've lost sight of next chapter thinking, of dreaming, believing, innovating, um, inventing. And God, I come right now and I just speak that you would open up Holy Spirit kingdom innovation, that you would give people God ideas and God thoughts. Lord, where they're stuck on a budget problem, where they're stuck on a payroll or an HR issue. Lord, right now you bring divine revelation. Give them an answer. Give them a quickened thought. Lord, help them to break through where they're stuck. And lastly, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that as every person becomes courageously generous in these times, that you would open up the floodgates of heaven. Let their businesses be blessed. God, you bring in new jobs, new clients, new materials. God, open up new divisions. God, bring more customers their way. God, we thank you for that. We receive that and believe that. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, amen. And we receive it. Pastor, thank you so much. We receive it. Love you all. Thank you again, Pastor. God bless. Hey, God bless you guys. Good being with you.